made it. That's my song. That's that song uh, that I come on stage to. Ghostface, we made it off of uh, Bullet. No, after of Supreme Clientele. It is Friday. Yes, it I am is. Amanda Seals. This is the Amanda Seals Show. Jeremiah, like the Bible. How are you feeling? Uh, it's Friday. So you know what that means? What does it mean? It's the weekend. Mm. So I'm feeling real good. You heard that? You heard the vocals? He <laughs> he he be playing with us. He be playing with us. I'm really excited because we have so much going on today on another Friday. You know, mm-hmm. we always keep things up, up, up. It's all good news when the fri- when we get Fridays on Amanda Seals show. Okay? That's right. That's right. And we have Godfrey, the comedian, joining us mm-hmm. a little later on. So really excited because he's going to be talking to us about his podcast. And he's just be having so much knowledge anyway. So we're going to soak all that up. And remember, whatever you miss, you can get the podcast and get the rest of it. All right? Because we're not going to play the whole interview here. You can also check out our interview segment for the record where we're going to ask Godfrey about some of what, what records are inspired by some interesting situations. And that tells us so much about a person. It does. So we got all that and more coming up. What else we got coming up this hour? Coming up, like you said, we got them Black Joy stories. We'll talk about gymnast Trinity Thomas breaking a re- tying a record. I'm sorry. Also, we had to the group chat to find out what would you rather do. We're gonna give you some some options. So is this a game of Would You Rather? It is a game of Would You Rather. Mm. You gotta stick around for that. Plus your PSA. It's, it's Friday, Amanda. So we gotta check the voicemail. Got to check the VMs. All of that. All right. And we always want to hear from you. So make sure you give us a call one eight five five Amanda eight. That's one eight five five two six two six three. Don't go anywhere. It's time to listen, laugh, and learn. It's the Amanda Seals Show. What's cracking, y'all? This is the Amanda Seals Show. Happy Friday. You know what time it is. A story of black joy. So, Amanda, as a former gymnast, you'll love this story. So, Trinity Thomas tied the record for the most perfect tens in college gymnastics with 28 Thomas accomplished the feat during the NCAA team finals at Dickey's Arenas in Fort Hood. I mean, Fort Worth, Texas. I'm sorry. Go Gators! Come on, Gators. Get up and go. Let me tell y'all. During her five-year career at Florida, Trinity earned at least five perfect tens on each apparatus. So how hard is that as a gymnast? That is incredibly difficult because everyone has like their specialties or even if they are really good at three, like there's always one that they kind of have a weakness on. Mm -hmm. Baby, she got 12 on floor. She got six on beam. She got five on bar. And she got five on ball. I also want to point out, like, Trinity was always an elite level gymnast, but she never gained like the same level of hype as like Simone Biles. Like okay. she never got to be a part of like numerous Olympic. She wasn't part of like Olympic teams, etc. She's in that same class of athlete. Absolutely. And now she got to come to college and just explode in terms of her talent. Like Trinity Thomas is now a household name in NCAA college gymnastics. I also want to take this time out to acknowledge that Jordan Childs okay. also is doing the damn thing because she won the NCAA uh, individual all-around title. So the sisters, the sisters is they in it. it. And now she's leaving her college career at UCLA to go train for the next Olympics. So shout out to Trinity Thomas and Jordan Childs. A story of black joy is what they represent as well as we love giving up and lifting up brown girls doing gymnastics. So you gotta post a video of you hitting them flips on the ground for us, Amanda Seals? I mean, you know I have it. So I don't even know why you're acting like I can't pull that up. Keep it locked right here to the Amanda Seals Show. The Amanda Seals Show. We up, we up, we up. What's cracking, y'all? It's Friday, and we having a good old time. So you know what? We wanted to play a little game of Would You Rather right here in group chat. Jeremiah like the Bible. We ran across this on Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So okay. somebody asked a question: Which which time which time would you rather travel to in attend these parties? So okay. four options. Okay. One, 
a 1920s Harlem rent party. Mm, okay. A 1940s juke joint. Ooh. A 1970s black disco or a 1990s freak me. Ah, ooh, child. All right. Well, let's run it down. 1920s Harlem rent party. Who am I gonna who am I gonna run into? I'm I'm gonna be like shoulder to shoulder with Langston Hughes mm-hmm. and Zora Neale Hurston. Like County Cullen. County Cullen. Like I'm gonna have my man Romare Bearden, my favorite painter of all time, up in the room. I don't know. That sounds like really tempting. Yes. 1940s juke joint. So we're going to be down in the south. In that's, the backwoods somewhere. Yes, that's very much giving me, hop a hoodies woman, you know? With like a a, a, a shack sort of thing going yeah, on. Yeah, but like in a swamp. Yeah, yeah, But it's yeah, going to yeah. be like, real raunchy. Moonshine, real raunchy. moonshine, <laughs> all right? 1970s black disco. Dun, 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 Baby, that's afros. Dun, dun, dun. That's platforms. That's bell bottoms. It's a lot of drugs. It's a lot of drugs. And a lot of um, chlamydia. Yeah, a lot of sex. Yeah, the clap is also in the mix. But Ooh. it's just also just free love. Remember, mm-hmm. that's the free love era, like right, right post 60s hippies. And it's also like the black power era. It is. Afro. Afros glistening. Just let your soul glow. Mm-hmm. And then there's 1990s Freak Nick. And baby, that's, 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 that's finger waves. That's sex in traffic. And coochie cutters. Mm-hmm. All right. That's, let me see you take the, pop that, do the rock. You know? I don't know. The 90s feels too, too recent. It's like too it feels close. too close. Well, also a documentary is trying to drop. And I don't want to be no documentary. So <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> The 70s black disco feels like it'd be a fun time, but I'm not really a party girl in that kind of way. Like, cause the disco is like the club. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And it's a lot energy. of, it's cocaine. It's a lot of drugs. And they was dancing in. You can't be in the back chilling. Yeah. There's no wildflowers. There's no wildflowers. <laughs> there's no chair dancing. Cause that's what I'm really into at this age. Get me a nice tall stool and I will dance the night away. Well, it sounds like you feel like a rent party situation in Harlem. Yeah. Because the juke joint, I feel like I'm just thinking mosquitoes. I'm just Ooh, feeling, yes. I'm just feeling sweat and mosquitoes. But that Harlem rent party, the, for, when I saw it on the list, I was like, Ooh. first of all, who rent we paying? Who we try, who rent we trying to get? Well, get hopefully paid? we're getting Zora Neale Hurston's rent paid so that she's not <laughs> deceased and buried in a pauper's graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will never recover from that ever, ever, ever. So that's where I'm at. Where where would you rather be? I might hit the disco. You gonna hit the disco? Because I just want to see. I just want to see. You can't. You can't be a lurkulator at I'm the a, disco. I'm gonna be in there dancing, but really like I'm side eyeing. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> do no drugs. I'm gonna just look like I'm doing a drug. I'm like not. Do really. you even know any disco? Like who's your like who's a disco group that you love? I mean, I think just like Donna Summer. When I think of disco. Yeah. I think of. I just, I'm a heat wave kind of gal. I honestly think of like flashing lights. Nice. Fun fact about me: when I do photo shoots, I always have to listen to disco. Is that sure? Well, I used to, I did a photo shoot for my headshots back when I was in college and the photographer was like, I was playing like mob deep. Like I was just playing like hip hop because I love hip hop. And he was like, I just want to try something. And he put on disco and you could literally see the difference in the pictures of my eyes lighting up to like the disco it was sound. like in the hair. Diana yeah. Ross, the boss. So ever since then, it is a rule <laughs> that I always must have a disco playlist playing when I take photos. So if you see my eyes looking dark, it's because I was not listening to disco. I was listening to something else that I probably shouldn't have been. Well, where would you rather be? A 1920s Harlem Rent Party, a 40s juke joint, a 70s black disco, or nine days freak, Nick? Give us a call and tell us why. 1-855-AMANDA-8. That's 1-855-262-6328. This is the Amanda Seal Show. We'll be right back. Don't move. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up. Okay, now, sis, got something important to say. Allow me to reintroduce myself. It's a public seals announcement on the Amanda Seal Show. All these white people in the comments. 
saying, how can you look at someone's face and tell they're racist? I know a racist face when I see one. Call it survival skills. That's how. And you know what? Even if you're wrong, the thing about it is that they don't suffer any consequences. So that's how the difference is explained between thinking that someone might be racist and and profiling someone as a threat. So stop making false equivalencies because it makes you uncomfortable that you can't understand something that you don't have to experience and actually be thankful that you may not be able to spot a racist because that's a reflection of you and your privilege. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up. What's up, y'all? It's Amanda Seals. And Jeremy, like the Bible. And you've reached the, the Amanda, Amanda Seal Show. Show. We love hearing your opinions on the things we discuss. And that's why we love when you give us a call and speak your mind. You know what to do with the beep. Leave that message. Hey, Amanda. This is Tanya Pierre from Union City, California. Love you and Jeremiah the Bible. I love all your shows because, yes, I do watch everything and I am part of the Patreon. Love you, love you, love you. I am calling, talking about, because you guys are talking about uh, accents and how they want uh, uh, Krisha. She wants to change her accent. I have been teased my entire life about talking to white. I've been called coconut, Oreo, one on the inside, black on the outside. You know what? I said, Falcon, be yourself. I have been, have wonderful parents who raised me and had me in schools and taught me how to speak. And I am not ashamed of that. So, you know, everybody just be yourself. Stop listening to other people. Love you guys. Have a fantastic, victorious week. Bye. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Jeremiah. Like the Bible, I remember you from when y'all had the Smart, Funny, and Black radio. Jeremiah, much respect, much love. I remember you from Decatur, though. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to say something about Marcus Houston. I heard about that shit and I was like, you know what? This is just misogyny right off top. And it's misogyny noir as well. Like, you're really going to come out here as if single mothers with kids are a red flag for you. It inconveniences you to date them. Well, you know what? It's an inconvenience to single moms when they hear this kind of bullshit coming out of your mouth. And maybe that's why you had to find somebody 19 years your junior to date you because somebody who is your age ain't gonna put up with that bull. Anyways, have a blessed day. When we come back, more Black Joy stories. Queen Latifah makes history. Plus, Jeremiah like the Bible with the people versus. All of that coming up next on the Amanda Seal Show. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up. We Seal Show. And by that, what I mean to say is that we are bringing you nothing but goodness and happiness and joy on another Friday. I'm Amanda Seals, joined by Jeremiah, like the Bible. What do we have coming up this hour? Come this hour, Queen Latifah, the Queen, is making history. We love it. Also, the people versus mm. Frank Ocean. I think he might have heard about this because apparently he will not be headlining next week's Coachella. Ooh. But more on that later. More on that later. <laughs> also, also <laughs> you thought the things you learned this week, Amanda. Yes. Like 
Yes, things I learned this week. And let me tell you, I am also going to have to call in reinforcements to help us even get further learning. So look out for that. It's coming up next. If you miss any of the show, remember, you can listen to our daily podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to listen, laugh, and learn. It's the Amanda Seals Show. Yes, yes, y'all. It don't stop. This is the Amanda Seals Show. You know how we do on a Friday. We hit y'all with a whole bunch of stories. A story of black joy. So this definitely goes with our celebration of the 50 years of hip-hop, Amanda Seals. If you haven't heard, Librarian of Congress Carla Hayden announced that Queen Latifah's 1989 album, All Hail the Queen, yes. is joining the National Recording Registry in 2023, making her the first female rapper to be included in the registry. Ooh, ladies first, ladies first. Latifah's had it up to here. The registry collects audio treasures worthy of preservation for all time based on their cultural, historical, or aesthetic importance in the nation's recorded sound heritage. So that means that the Library of Congress credits All Hail the Queen with demonstrating unequivocally mm-hmm. that rap could be female, Afrocentric, and incorporate a fusion of musical genres. I love that. I truly love it. And if you know anything about Queen Latifah, you know that particularly at that time, she was all that. The, the sister was walking around with a pharaoh cat. Right. She was the queen. Literally <laughs> giving you Nefertiti. Okay. So this is really beautiful. And of course, we are celebrating 50 years of hip hop. So it's timely mm-hmm. that this would happen. And so shout out to Dana Owens. She went on, of course, to have like a whole career. Right. She has had a whole other life in entertainment. She literally became a jazz singer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So we also want to applaud the versatility. But this is really a, a great feat. And I just love that we are also acknowledging hip hop as like art that is worthy right. of canonizing. Mm-hmm. Because I think when we look at the hip hop of today, we may not think that. Well, because of people like Queen Latifah, like hip hop now is the most popular genre of music. So. Show is. That's right. So that's why we ended up giving her a... A story of black joy. Hit us up, one eight five five amanda 8 That's one 262 Are there any other hip hop albums that you feel Ooh. should be put into the national registry okay do you feel like there are any other classic albums that they need to get put onto? hit us up 1855 amanda8 that's 1855-262-6328 when we get back we have jeremiah like the bible with the people verses plus things i learned this week is all coming up next on the amanda seal show the amanda seal show we up we up we up Welcome back to the Amanda Seals Show. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for Jeremiah Like the Bible and the People Verses. That is correct. This week, Amanda Seals, it is the People Versus Frank Ocean. Mm. You're probably like, now how Frank Ocean get into this? Yeah. Because we don't even see him. Like, where? He's Ocean? been like on the Lusky Wosky. Well, he wasn't this past weekend when he headlined Coachella, because he was supposed to do it in 2020, before yes. the pandemic. Yes. And then last year, but yep. it got postponed. Yep. So he did it this year. Okay. People weren't happy. Long awaited. They weren't happy when he got there. So apparently the set started 57 minutes after it was supposed to start. One. Also, when he got on stage, you could barely see him on stage. Because there was like so many random people on stage just with him. And they were like a big old screen. Yeah, the entourage? The whole entourage. He was like, what is this? We want to see Frank. Not Frank and Frank. Ooh. Ooh, but also the people at home was mad too because Coachella cut the live stream of the performance and they had to go to some random girl's Instagram live Mm-mm. to watch the show. So she had like thousands of people on her Instagram live, this teenager. Mm-mm. But she know, I hope she got some followers off that. Also, the show was cut short. What? Because of curfew. Oh, 
which led to a $117,000 fine for Coachella, but not just because of Frank, because of Calvin Harris and Bad Bunny. They all broke curfew. But the reason the show was late is because he said he had an ankle injury, allegedly. Those are the rumors that happening. But everyone's not mad at him. Justin Bieber is on his side. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber came to Instagram and said, I was blown away by Frank Ocean's Coachella performance. His artistry is simply unmatched. His style, his taste, his voice, his attention to detail. I was deeply moved. Well, Amanda Seals, when it comes to the people versus... Frank How's Ocean, your verdict? What's your verdict? Is it the people? Is it Frank? What's it going to be? I'm with the people this time. <laughs> there it is. Because honestly, I love Frank. I love a Channel Orange and Nostalgia Ultra. We do, we do, we do. But if you only pop out every six years, when you come, you got to come correct. It's true. Beyonce, she go have her babies and come back. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's Chella. Extravaganza! It's a marching band. It's dancers. Yeah. He came back with a screen and an entourage. And then cut the live stream. Mm. And he was late. What do you think this is attributed to? I mean, I think honestly, maybe he don't. Maybe he doesn't enjoy the performance of. It. Maybe some people like the music making. They don't right because this is Summer the, Walker. Somebody like doesn't really like yeah, doing she the doesn't shows. like performance. But also, I feel like Frank is like a recluse. Like we don't really see him, so maybe he doesn't really enjoy. Yeah, it. but I just feel like if you know that and you have a team that knows that, like set me up to win. Right, 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 right. Like put me behind the screen in a chair so that I don't got to <laughs> see the audience and people just hear me performing. Like or make maybe, it artistic. Or maybe not sign up to do Coachella. Well, get the check. No, you got to get the bag. But at the end of the day. Find a way to, to make, make it work. Yes. I have a chapter in my book, Small Doses, about how it's like, if you're going to be an artist in commerce, you got to find a way to make, make your weirdness work, work yeah. for you. Not against you. I mean, the music is working, but the Coachella wasn't working. Sorry, mm. Frank. We still love you. <laughs> well, that is another edition of The People Versus via Jeremiah Like the Bible, who is always in the mix to tell y'all what the peanut gallery is gallerying about. We got more Amanda Seals show when we get back on this lovely, fun-filled, joyous Friday, so don't go anywhere. The Amanda Seals show. We up, we up, we up. It's the Amanda Seals show. Things I learned this week. There's a lot you can learn from this. Welcome back, y'all, to this Black Joy Friday here at the Amanda Seals Show. This is your black boy, Jeremiah, with black girl, Amanda Seals. Hey. And Amanda, it's time to learn things you learned this week. Tell things us about it. I learned this week. That's right. Well, I actually was very surprised to learn this week that Don Cheadle, who played Ice Tray in just one episode of The Fresh Prince of oh, Bel-Air. Right. I remember that episode. He was actually offered a spinoff for the episode even before it aired like his performance was apparently just so mind-blowing to the producers that they were like you know what we need to make another show and have another black family and we're gonna make it around you and it was called in the house not to be confused with ll cool j's in the house all right but it also starred loretta divine and vivica a fox and they shot a pilot for it there was a whole theme song and everything and it actually aired the pilot aired but I don't know why it didn't go to series because it actually looked like a show that we would have enjoyed. Interesting. I gotta look this up a minute. Yeah. I be knowing. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I learned this week. And now I know it because I be knowing. Something else I learned this week. Okay. 
There was a show in the 90s called Ghost Rider. It had a light-skinned chick on the show, so everybody thought I was the chick on Ghost Rider. That wasn't you? It was not me. Oh, okay. Okay? But each episode of the series presented a mystery that this, like, diverse group of kids <laughs> had to solve. And they would solve by using reading and writing tools. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a civil—there was um, a backstory that was assigned to this that, like, was never revealed. And this apparently came out in 2013, but I'm just learning about it today. I am today years old. <laughs> The ghost writer, which is the character that we never actually saw, but that was taking them on these journeys, was apparently supposed to be the soul of a runaway slave. (sighs) Yeah. Apparently, he was a runaway slave during the Civil War, and the creator, the producer and writer, Kermit Frazier, said he was killed by slave catchers and their dogs as he was teaching other runaway slaves how to read in the woods. Mm. His soul was kept in the book. And released once Jamal, a character on the show, discovered the book. Jamal, Jamal, we love Jamal. But let me just tell y'all something. Like the programming that was happening on PBS during like the 80s and 90s was really thoughtful. And it was very crafted in a diverse fashion in a way that like things aren't happening these days. Please take a look whenever you get a chance to see the documentary about Sesame Street that was made by HBO. Because you're really like, hold up. Rich white people got together, pooled their money and said, we're going to make a show that helps to bring education to underserved youth in the inner city because they don't have the same access to education. And so we're going to put it on a TV show. And they did so. And the reason why it was called Sesame Street, this is the things you'll learn this week. The reason why it was called Sesame Street was because they were like, we want to make it look like a setting that they're comfortable with. Ah. So these are kids from the inner city that are mostly going to be watching this. So let's make it in a setting that they are familiar with so that they feel more connected to it and relate to it. I mean, listen, that's what I call co-conspirators. All right. Now, the last thing I learned this week. (laughs) So yesterday, uh, I guess, no, Wednesday um, was, uh, no, Tuesday in 1783 was when Congress of the Confederation proposed the three-fifths rule for black people and that they should only count as 60% of a white person. Uh That then ended up getting put into the Constitution Fast forward because the articles of the constitution were like really weak and the founding fathers decided to create the constitution. And that same argument came up of like, well, how do we make an account for the electoral votes Mm -hmm. in the different states? And should slaves count as actual humans towards the electoral vote? And they were like, well, no, I mean, slaves are property, right? They're not people. They're not people. So they actually, uh, one of the enslavers said that the people should actually be referred to as cattle because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. So now you're probably wondering, Amanda, like, okay, we already know this. Uh-huh. But what I didn't realize was the ways in which this plays into the voting and electoral votes of now. Okay, break this down. Okay, so even though the Three-Fifths Amendment was repealed uh, when the 14th Amendment was ratified in 1868, mm-hmm. despite being fully counted... Racist violence and voter suppression almost entirely disenfranchised black Southerners. We know that, right? Yes. But what it really did was it incarcerated populations in such high numbers. And now those same white powerful place, white power structures use the incarcerated numbers to inflate their numbers and so that they can get more electoral votes. And we actually, I want to hear Supreme Supreme, our engineer knew more about that. When, when I said this, Supreme was like, I mean, you ain't know about that. So let's bring Supreme on. 
<laughs> supreme experience. Yes. I, I didn't say it like insight. that. I didn't he say, it like, said that. It like that. He was like, you ain't know about that. Where you been at? I thought you'd be knowing. You just learned that this week. <laughs> Yo. So can you please in, uh, enlighten us? Okay. So they do this in like the jail towns where it's like a whole population of white people and they'll like work at the jail. Everybody in the family will work at the jail. Um, and they'll get tax money because they count these prisoners. So they'll get more tax money for their schools, for resources. Wait, they get the, more. So the cities get yes, more tax money because it's like they're the counting census. the prisoners. Yes. Yes. Crazy. They count the prisoners in their census. So they'll get more representation in government, tax money for roads, schools, resources. And it's all based off of having large prison populations that they benefit off of. So it's kind of like reparations low key for them for having these prisons, which provide wow. for the whole city. I learned about it on a um, documentary about Attica. So that's why they kind of rose up in Attica in the 70s because this was going on and they killed somebody. And then they basically took over the prison for a couple of days. And that, you got to watch the documentary on Attica, too. because it Supreme all... also wanted us to know that he watches documentaries. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a documentary watcher. I'm a documentary <laughs> watcher, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you for putting us on because, I mean, what, listen, what are we without a community that teaches each other? So thank you, Supreme, for adding and elevating the things I learned this week here at the Amanda Seals Show. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up. Hello? Hello? I, I can't hear you. <laughs> gotcha. I know you calling to say what's on your mind. Because you've been listening, laughing, and learning at the Amanda Seal Show. And it's Black Joy Friday. So when you hear that beep, you know what to do. Leave that message. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Jeremiah with the Bible. This is a how you met your spouse, significant slash significant other, and how we spun the block. So I met my husband back in 2003 or four or something like that. We both worked at the IRS. I was a new hire. He had already been there. Um, so I'm working there for like a week or something like that. And then I just randomly see this guy coming around collecting these wire, like metal-like baskets that we used to get our work in. So I'm thinking, you know, that was just a part of his job. So come to find out, years later, he tells me that that wasn't part of his job. He just did that so he could come to my section to see who the new cute girl was. It was too intense. It was too real. I wasn't ready. So I kind of like... You know, cut it off, went in a different direction, and now we've been married for 15 years. That's my bad. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Amanda Seals and Jeremiah Like the Bible. I just want to comment on Carisha. I feel like she should keep talking the way she has been. That's the way she got rich. That's the, who she is, and she's so Miami. I used to get bullied all the time or talked about all the time for sounding a little bit too white, being a light-skinned African-American man. And I used to... Beat they bleep. But anyway, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going to keep talking the way I talk, and I think she should too. But I bye. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Jeremiah, like the Bible. I am calling to respond to the question, how much money does it take for a man to date you, or how much does he have to make? The answer to the question, whatever it may be, is 
However much it takes for him to be a fully functioning, independent, and mature adult who handles his responsibilities, that is the requirement. You don't need to be rich. Hopefully you're not poor, but you need to be able to sustain a responsible and mature life for yourself in whichever way that looks like something functional. Y'all have a good one. We love a good call and we love a good topic. Make sure to call us and join in the conversation. one 855 amanda That's 1-855-262-6328. And check out T.S. Madison on Small Doses Podcast. Dropping tonight at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube at Amanda Seals TV. When we come back, we got more Black Joy stories. All that and more coming up next. The Amanda Seals Show. We up, we up, we up. And what a week it was. Good Lord. This is the Amanda Seals Show. I'm Amanda Seals. That's my co-host. Jeremiah like the Bible. And when I say what a week it was, it was just a lot of bad news, okay? Yeah. And I'm not even going to run it down for y'all because if you want to hear it, you can also go check out the show wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm. But this is why we do Fridays the way we do Fridays because we really feel like we need to just have a day where y'all can listen and know there's only going to be good, joy, happiness. That is right. That is right. We've been hearing y'all with the feel-good stories all show long. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep on going. Because up next, we're going to talk about Nicole Lynn, who negotiated a historic deal for Jalen Hurts. Yay! Also, we're going to hang out with comedian Godfrey. Yes, yes. You know, he'll play for the record with us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Plus, we got to check the voicemail, because it's Black Joy Fridays, Amanda. That's why right, you're going to hear nothing but a story of Black Joy. Mm-mm-mm. Remember, you can join the conversation as well on social media by following us at Seals Said It. Give us a call, 1-855-AMANDA-8. That's 1-855-262-6328. It's time to listen, laugh, and learn. It's the Amanda the Seals Show. What's up, y'all? It's Amanda Seals here at the Amanda Seals Show, and it is time for a story of Black Joy. Yes, Amanda Seals, a Black Joy story. I love it. So, Nicole Lynn, mm. if you ever heard of her, she is the sports agent of Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, yes. who became the highest paid player in NFL history. But he didn't do that by himself. He didn't. And apparently, she became his agent because she slid into the DMs. Yes. She hit him with the, Have you picked an agent? If not, would love to link. Okay. And he said, let's do it. And here we are a few years later. And he has reached an agreement on a five-year, $255 million extension to throw a ball, including $179.304 million guaranteed per the source. He is now the highest paid player in NFL history. I might got to play football. <laughs> And this is because his manager put this together. Sister Nicole Lynn of Clutch Sports Group negotiated this historic deal with general manager Howie Roseman. And we call that a story of black joy. Keep it locked right here to the Amanda Seals Show. The Amanda Seals Show. We up, we up, we up. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Who you hear cackling? All right, you hear cackling. <laughs> it's today's guest. Yes. The hilarious. Yes. The intelligent. Yes. The black AF. Yes. Comedian Godfrey. Yeah. Godfrey the comedian. <laughs> You're our first in studio guest. 
Am I the first one? Yes. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. You're our first studio guest. First I feel one. really special to have you here on the couch. Okay. You know, with the banner behind you. All right. This hey. is, this is all something I, I envisioned. And so now right. to see it like in actuality, you and know, Jeremiah, we, Jeremiah and I had to sit here and really try to make this happen. Make this banner straight. And you made it happen. It's dope. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I really feel good because you're like my actual homeboy. So it's I really, am. That's true. It's yes. Facts. You're my actual facts. homeboy. And people know this because they see us on Instagram live and they're always like, oh, wow, this feels like such a just casual but conversation. Not, a, not, not enough, though. It's really special. Space, sparse, but no, come it on. is for you because you be on live every day. Uh, well, I, I have to sometimes. You gotta work it because you know if, and I'm just keeping it real. If you're not on a sitcom as the mailman, you're, not you're, the mailman. You know, if you're not on a hit, you know, you gotta. It's like your own fake TV show. That's like people is. tune in, and you're like, I'll do. I'm like Byron Allen. I'm gonna be on at 4:30 a.m. At 4.38 a.m. and be like the Byron <laughs> I'll be like Byron be on all times whenever so I can it's catch true. people random. I have to do it. I, this was a this was a forced thing. Like, yeah. I have no choice. And then when pandemic hit, I took super, super advantage. You did too. I took advantage. I was like, all right, here I go. I'm going in all the way. I'm going to be on every day. every. And I actually took a little tip. It was when, um, you know, Dame Dash was on lives all the time. Really? Yeah, he dude. That dude was on lives. Dusko Poppington. <laughs> Dusk, yes. Just pop, and he would he would always be from his studio, and there'd be weird bands playing, and then he. I don't know why come, I'm acting brand new. It was Devon that was recording him. It was my man that was literally. Yeah, and he'd be, and then I remember he was talking <laughs> to some dude, and he was chilling, you know, rolling them joints, and he goes, "Yo, I'm gonna tell you, man, this is the, it's the pandemic." He goes, "So what you gonna do with pandemic?" He said, what the "Fuck, you think I'm gonna do, man? I'm gonna be on up every day." I'm going to be on doing something. If you're an artist, this is our time right now. The, the, everything's shut down. If you ain't creating, you stupid, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, he's right. I said, so I just got on every day and just, and people didn't even know I could do a lot of stuff. In what way? Like voice wise, they didn't know I, I could. I don't think people knew you could do impersonations the way you can do impersonations. never knew it. And, uh, you know, the guys that you're, they're known for it, they've always, they've been on all TV shows. I haven't. Afion. Avion's with uh, Jay, Jay Farrow. SNL, I got rejected three times. You ain't missing out. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, <laughs> Mad TV. Never got out. Uh, Aries Spears was on Mad TV. Yes. And Aries, we went head to head and they didn't know I had, uh, I mean, I don't know how many voices everybody has, but they didn't realize I had a breath of voices. You know, they didn't I mean, know. But you've like Wild and Out, though. You feel like that. Wild and Out. Nick had been asking me for years to do that, though. He was like, dude, when are you going to do Wild I go, I mean, it's popular, but does it mean it's for me? I don't know. You know, just because something's popular don't mean you got to be on it. That's you know right. what I'm saying? But I was like, and he goes, no, man, we got stuff because all the stuff you were doing online, you know, they want to see it on the show. He I'm said, actually curious about this because yeah. I feel like a lot of talent that is, that came out pre-internet social media, kind of yeah. like, like the social media thing is like, I don't, I don't do that. That's something different. I'm this type of talent. But yeah. you kind of talked about like, you leaned into that. You're like, I leaned all the way into what it. What made you do that instead of looking at it like, oh, that's not that's because because I was doing okay, just okay because let me follow that here. Okay, hey, yeah, I you want to put? Okay. I just want you to be comfortable. Move, move it this way more. Okay, sorry, technical difficulties right now. Take a commercial, but yeah, that's good, excellent. So, 
Say, say it again. I'm going to ask that question again. I'm sorry. Um, what made you not look at the social media space as like something that was beneath you as a talent? Because before mm. pandemic, I was I ran into uh, this guy named Rennie who kind of looked like me. Hey, Rennie. And Rennie was on the podcast yesterday. He was on my podcast yesterday. And I people were like, yo, there's a guy that kind of looks like you. Yep. you guys should. And so I DM'd him. Oh, hell no. I, D- I DM'd him. And he was like, yo, let's do something together. Boom, boom, boom. And so mm-hmm. I started doing it with him. Like, this is like two years before pandemic. And I was like, all right. And I remember then, y'all actually did a bit where you clowned I placed, me. <laughs> I probably did. Yeah, well, you were like, this is Amanda on Instagram. Oh, yeah, and probably. You, and I feel like you did, it, it was actually a very accurate depiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to play you. I'm gonna no, do but it I love like, both of y'all, so. Right. And so, and so, we, I, I, so when we started doing these videos, that's when my my numbers started growing because he was like, "Yo, you gotta you gotta get with link with me and and my crew." And then he introduced me to King Batch, and then from there, I, I did that one video where I'm the noise the noisy neighbor thing, where I come in and say, "Yo, man, could you you make a little noise? You make too much noise, man. Could you lower that?" And they go, "Yeah, okay." It's King Batch conceited and all the from wilding out. So audit. And, and so I, I by come the way, back. shout out to Conceited who went to Dr. Phillips High School in Orlando, Florida. DP. Okay. Uh, DP. He's Haitian. Haitian. Oh, there you go. And he and I came out and I come back and I go, yo, man, who's who's showering, man? He's like, yo, man, you shower too loud. Put it on. And we And then I say, yo, who's doodling, man? Your, your doodles is mad loud, man. Yo, hit let the doodle hit the side of the bowl. I, I had let a neighbor it. like this. And, oh, my God. And so from there, that went so viral because I knew it was viral because when city workers stop and say something to you, that's because city workers don't give a damn about they exactly. their pension. Right. They minding their business. And it, when you got garbage men going, yo, the doodle on the side, son? <laughs> I'm not even like, bus drivers, you need a ride? Yo, that doodle's... <laughs> See, I didn't know. All I did was do that because when King Batch came to New York, he called me. Mm. And I was like, cool. And we did it at his at his hotel room. Me, Safari, we were all in that room. Mm-hmm. Papa Vasquez, all of us, all Instagram dudes. And so I went in and I said, I got a good idea. I'm going to do a thing where I come in and you just keep making I'm dumb noises. I'm just going to be real petty with it. And I went in and conceded was on point with it. And he was and like King Batch is in the toilet. Right. And I said, yo, who's doodling? And he goes, and I said, your doodles are too loud. And it conceded is like, he said, your doodles are too loud. <laughs> he goes, like, what? What do you mean? I said, yo, let your doodles hit the side of the bowl. Let it roll into it. Let your doodles hit the side of the bowl and let it roll in. It, and it, it killed. And from there, I was like, okay. Social media is real because I was in Montreal. People were like, yo, you do doing stuff with Red. It was like everywhere I was in Germany. Was this though like all over? Was it a new? Because I feel like you've been around for a long time, yeah. And I feel like you're somebody who's like, you know, I haven't like gotten my just. Oh, I'm on other people's podcasts when I'm not even there. They say, "Here's something I can't figure out." White podcast. They go, "What's up, God? That guy? What's going on?" Like people are literally pulling out their hair, going, "How? What did you?" I go, "Did does somebody hate you?" I go, well, yeah, there's <laughs> comics that don't like me, that I know hate on me, that that I don't, I know who they are, but I don't say anything. Right. That that will literally badmouth you. Think I'm not saying every comic, but there are comics that go, nah, don't bring him. Yeah, I've heard. But why? 
I don't skills. Wait, because they feel like you going to outshine them. I'm, I'm a type of person that likes to share. I don't care. I just go, yo, look out. That's my man. I've done it for people who wouldn't share with me. Mm. I'd be like, here, no, that's my. If I still, if it's like a gig, I'll be like, yo, because first of all, no, I'm not trying to come to some club every week. Right. I want them to like miss me. Yeah. But, but cats will keep gigs away from you. Oh, but I end oh, up yes. finding out anyway. But there's people you know and that I know yep. that do it. Yep. And they're 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 as as Amanda would say. Can you use profanity? Mm, no, we'll, I won't we'll do bleep it. it. Yeah, yeah. But it's like Amanda says, "F boy." Yes. Oh, you an F boy? Yes. You an F boy? Correct. That's what you want to be an F boy or an F girl. You want right. to be an F. <laughs> right. But right. there's those kinds that are around you that look just like you, you know. But that there's that. But I don't let that. Um, I, I stay focused. And what's beautiful about podcasting, I have a podcast for like four years now in Godfrey We Trust on Gas Digital, gaining a lot of momentum, you know what I'm saying? And you can literally find your own lane. You just mm-hmm. got to get off your ass and pick up the shovel and dig that shit out. You know, you just have to do that like you've been doing. I mean, you got two podcasts. How many podcasts you got? <laughs> Damn. Well, I mean, I think what it says, though, is that there's always this mindset of like, I'm going to create my own. Yes, yeah. because you you were on serious. Yeah. And they fired me. <laughs> they fired me. But you know what, what's weird is they fired me for the shit. I told them not to. I said, are you I told they wanted me on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to make a show for me because I was just doing some guest spot stuff. I would come to serious and do guest spot stuff. And they were like, hey, we'd I would love you to do, you should do, you ever think about radio? I go, not really. My friends do it, but I like to come on their shows and, yeah. and see, in, you would be out. really, I said, okay. I said, do me this favor. <laughs> this is the way I am. I talk like this, like I've been doing on your show. This is where I talk. That's how I do it. I'm not trying to do it any other way. I'm sorry. And they were like, no. I said, really? You really want me on this channel? This conservative black channel? Me. You sure? I saw your lineup. Me. There's gospel. <laughs> there's black caucus. There's, and then there's really. Right. They're like, no, we want to change it. We're trying to get rid of some dusty. Da, 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 da. I said, all right, fine. Did an hour. It was an hour, power hour, you know? Yeah. I did that podcast. Did a, I mean, I did that show. Well, yeah. You, yep. You should have. Mm-hmm. Then I did it for an hour and it hit the ground running and, and people were calling. My whole thing would be lit up. Right. They'd be like, Godfrey needs another hour. They'd be like, he ain't on too, he ain't on long enough. People were like, so they was like, hey, would you like to do two hours um, uh, or more than two? I said, yeah, I could do two, not three or four. I'll do two. Yeah. And they say, and we're going to give you the prime spot, prime time, six to eight. Ooh. I say, what? They say, yeah. Because I had trucks, you know, like the, the um, I had them honking their horns at six. every, And I'd have people calling going, why are trucks honking, honking their, their horn, horn in St. Louis? Just a bunch of trucks. <laughs> I go, oh, that's my show. Because I was, I was one of the first people to actually recognize truck drivers, black truck drivers. That's not true. But. No, I, on the show, on, on that. I mean, I was that serious. No, no, no. Recognizing I'm talking about on that drivers. channel. Oh, okay. Okay. Whoa, oh, I was like, come on. Christ. No, because people be claiming like, no, no, I'm no, the no, first, no. I'm the first. And I'd no, be like, no, no. Ah. I was the first on that because they told me. The truck on this driver, channel. Right. The truck and driver. And this channel was like a praise channel? No, it was just a, a, a urban, it was called Urban View. Like more oh. buttoned up. Just or, but different shows like health, da, 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 different okay. stuff. Al Sharpton's on it still. Like a, like a. 
would you say like a variety of contemporary yeah right and a variety of negro topics (laughs) (laughs) like tony brown's journal man so like like professional like professional black yeah 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 yeah. and and, you know and i well i came on there literally just breaking the paradigm talking i was like yo what's everywhere you go on purpose and at first People were like, yo, there were older black people that say, oh, man, you, I thought you was loud. But then when they saw me dropping, spitting knowledge, they mm-hmm. were like, I remember an 87-year-old black dude. He goes, he's like, I'm calling because I just want to tell you <laughs> when you first came on, I was like, he's loud, man. <laughs> and he's laughing. <laughs> but, man, I'm going to tell you right now. You are one smart individual. Yep. I've learned so much from you, brother. Same. We need people like he, it was like. Actually, I just learned something from you the other day about the black hockey players. Yeah, 1895, uh, colored hockey league, over 400 players, uh, uh, 20, uh, 22 years before the NHL, and African Canadians, like after the war, yep, in Nova Scotia, created hockey with the Mi'kmaq Indians, created what? the game of hockey. We created the slap shot and then the crease. And then, and then when I'm on stage, I do a joke that I go and. Ever since then, we've been skating on thin ice. (laughs) But that's, 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 we created hockey, man. Literally black people. And they have the pictures Mm -hmm. and ESPN came out with a documentary going hockey created by African da da da. And there's a book called black ice by a white dude who wrote it and they hit it. And I've been to Nova Scotia. I've performed in Nova Scotia many times in Halifax, and there's a place called Africaville where Africans set up. Yeah, they have the church still there. I was at the, I've been to the church. Yeah, and it's called. They set up Africaville in Nova Scotia. It was a big African town of of you know Caribbeans, and it was their own town. They're like Black Wall Street, right? And it was, and then of course the white Canadians came, did what they did. Dang. They, you see, sure. can, Canadians be trying to act all hoity-toity, right, like, you know, like, oh, y'all and your racism. We don't oh, do that. They're, they're, they're diet racism, okay? <laughs> less calories. But, they're, they're, you know, they're racism light. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and you have to understand, Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia is New Scotland. All the Scottish came over there. Mm. And we're like, you're fucking, we got the fucking, you know, that whatever the fuck. But I'm sorry. But, <laughs> I was like, they're geez, bleeping. I'm all losing. Whatever the heck. <laughs> Wait, so, so this went. is for editing purposes. Whatever the heck. Go ahead. I'm curious. Okay, so how do you balance that, though? Like, obviously, like, you have so much knowledge. But well, I mean, I balance because I've always been like that since I was in college. Because in college, I was at, I'm from Chicago. Right. So at college, I went to a very white university, PWI. Which school? Um, University of Illinois. My cousin, first cousin, she went to Michigan, so we'd always be talking smack. Big Ten, you know, mm-hmm. you got Michigan, Indiana, right. Ohio State. So, yeah, you know, and I was very white, but we had all black and soror- black fraternities and sororities. We had all of them. Got you. We had the biggest fraternal system in the country, so it was 52. So we had white girl fraternity. We had Spanish. We had Asian. I'm not even right. lying. I was like, yeah, we're sci-fi. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And we, and we had, you know, Deltas, AKAs, Zetas, you know, SG Row. We had, you know, Omega Psi Phi Kappa, Iota Phi Theta, you know, uh, A Phi A. We had all that. I was a Delta Gen when I was, yeah, I was on the court for the men. They have courts. Like, what is Delta Gen? It's like you're, there's a, there's a male court for the, for the sororities. 
And I got on there. My friends like, you got to be on our cars. All right. school days. Yeah, you see, there's a court, though. And then there was... Um, I mean, I meet by me, so... <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and they were... Um, or some people like, I'm GDI, goddamn independent. You know? <laughs> and, and then there was um, the AKA court, too. So I was a Delta gent. So, you know. And so, yeah, man. And But we stuck together. We were like this. Like 800 black students out of 45,000. Oh. And we was like this. Yes. I was a pre-med psych major. And... You know, you're only brother in most of your classes, you know, but it was something about because we partied together, all the black people. We had our frat parties and yep. sorority parties. And, you know, we're a house, you know, Chicago is house music. So we're mm-hmm. big house music. Uh, house music all night long. Yeah. And, you know, Marina Franklin. I was just about to say Marina. Marina Franklin went to school with me. Really? Yeah, we went and to you know, that's a house head. We are, we are house head. I'm a serious house head. We're all, me, Craig, Craig Robinson, big house heads. Shout to Craig. Uh, Dion Cole. Big house heads. We're all Chicago. Yeah. Big yeah. house heads. I need D-Ray you Davis. Dion to do Smart, Funny, and Black. Yeah. We're all big time. And now Dion is a house DJ now. House music. He was doing it over pandemic. Really? He was practicing. Dion, uh, yeah. I didn't know this. And his house music knowledge is so like beyond. He's in the crates of the crates. Sick as, sick as is hell. Is that yeah. just like a comedian thing? I feel like. What, house what? music? Well, no, being multifaceted, the fact that Dion comes Well, no, that's just that. an artist thing. Exactly. You know, actors are some of them musicians and singers. Like, she, like, that's, she does. But I feel flip, like comedians skate, are different, you though. You sculpt, you <laughs> what the, she does a gang Thank of stuff, you. but yeah. But you know what? There's something to be said to that, Jeremiah, because honestly, I was able, like, I was doing a lot of different things at one point where it was like, oh, I'm writing, I'm hosting, mm-hmm. I'm acting. And people were like, it's kind of like you do everything but nothing at all. And oh, then and a once, jack of all trades But thing. then once I became a comic, it was like, oh, so you host, right? You act, right? You yeah. write, right? And it was like, so all of a sudden, all of those things that you said were nothing. Now that I'm a comedian, yes, those I'm things make sense now? It's, 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 it's people are... They needed the umbrella. But back in in the day, early Hollywood, it was like you had to know tap and singing and and, and movement. And Mm -hmm. you did everything. Even if you look at a a famous sitcom, um, what is it? Um, Sanford and Son. Yeah. I mean, Lamont, Damon, Wilson was a tap dancer in ballet. What? He did both. He studied both of them. Yeah. And a it, bastion of knowledge, this man. It, right. You know, when you see him in some of the episodes, he's tapping, like sick tapping. like Right. And Esther was a fire eater. She worked in a circus. She was a fire eater. She was a dancer. Very, uh, there's episodes where she's doing it and you're like, Lawanda Page, are you, she transforms into this graceful, yeah. That's what the beautiful thing about Sanford and Son. It's, like, it's literally an encyclopedia of African-American talent. From all his best friends, they were all comics from the, uh, Chitlin Circuit, Bubba Bexley, all those guys, Slappy White, all those guys were all Timmy Rogers, who's like the first comedian to actually put a suit on and perform in front of white people because we weren't allowed. It was illegal to do stand up by yourself. It was illegal in the early 1900s. You had to put blackface on yep. and you had to talk in a duo. Yep. And you had to use that slang. Well, Lord have mercy. I don't yeah. see. You had, to, you had to do that. Right. You, it was illegal to dress up in a suit and talk nice and and be smart until Tim Rogers and Dick Gregory and these guys were the yeah. first dudes. Godfrey Cambridge, that's my name, same Godfrey Cambridge from Queens. These guys were the more intelligent guys that wore suits in front of white audiences. There's a book. <laughs> I think I told you. Did I tell you about this? I don't know. It's called On the Real Side. 
laughing and lying and signifying the history of African-American humor from sw- uh, slavery to Richard Pryor. Oh, I don't know about that book. I need that book. It's, it's, and then I think they revamped it to some slavery to Chris Rock, but it's it's amazing. I read it in the 90s, but you it's by Mel Watkins and it's been selling because I'd be telling Pushing every it, comedian yeah. <laughs> needs to know about this book. What's it called? On the Real? On the Real Side. Laughing, Lying, and Signifying. I know there's some other things in the title, but Laughing, Lying, and Signifying the... Um, By Mel Watts, Watkins. Yeah, read it. Read the title. On the Real Side. Laughing, Lying, Signifying. Why can't I see the rest of it? Oh, that's it. And Signifying. Oh, Laughing, Lying, Signifying the History of African American Humor from Slavery to Richard Pryor. It's Fantastic. I mean, well, I, I was tearing up reading some of the stuff <laughs> that the black comedians had to go through. Some sundown towns you perform and then they say you can't eat here or you will be killed. Yes. And you had to go find a black hotel or black. You could you just finished performing. They don't want you eating there. Or I la- feel like we're very quickly going in that direction. Oh, they're trying to get it back because they're I think the powers that be are getting desperate. So they're when they get desperate, they use what they know best. Violence. Yep. And ignorance. That's how they took over the country is was trickery and violence. So that's why they're like, oh, everybody can have a gun now. I was going to ask, like, where do you stand on gun control? Because I know you do talk a lot about social things and, you know, social justice, et cetera. I think that you should be you should have a background check if you're going to use guns. It should be used if you know there's people who use it for hunting and stuff. Yeah, but you should have a serious background check. Like, you know what I mean? They should check you just like they do us in the airport with lotion. Yeah. <laughs> They're checking us for freaking lotion. Right. You know what I mean? You know, when you, when a black person's like forgot to take their lean, like, damn, we going to throw it out. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> just going to do whatever I can to save it. <laughs> You'll just be greasy. I ain't wasting that lotion. You know how much that costs? A fool. But you know what I'm saying? So it's like they should have restrict gun. But I, when they do that type of thing, I always think they always set things up to get rid of black people. It's always to harm us because anytime something goes awry, they blame us who've done nothing. Mm-hmm. They blame black people. They just blame us. Like when Somehow they're, they're screwing up and they blame us for it. You know what I mean? So I, I mean, always, literally the Silicon Valley bank failed and they turned it they, into it's black. It's the niggers. <laughs> the niggers. It's those niggers who made the niggers. They blame us for everything. Even though we are America, we are the culture the reason why this culture strives is because of African-American um, blood, sweat, and tears. Let's keep it real. The reason why Europe is surviving is because of African resources. Because mm-hmm. they even the French, the French president from the 60s, uh, Jacques Chirac, said without Africa, uh, France would collapse. Because they take $500 so much, yes. billion from cocoa and yep. all the stuff you use for yourself. We, we but even the stuff. reparations that they're getting from Togo and... Which is ridiculous. Haiti. You enslave people. They don't want to be slaves anymore. You have to pay for right. that. You got to pay us back. Pay, you for pay for your wages. dignity, you know? And, you know, so, yeah, man. So I, that whole gun thing, I, it's getting, I mean, how many shootings have we had already so far? Well, even this week, there were four different situations where an innocent, unarmed person yes, the was yeah. like shot. Uh, there was they Ralph Yarl. There was Ralph Yarl in Missouri. Yeah. They showed uh, a white girl too. There was a white girl in New York, uh, like upstate New York. Yeah, upstate. There two was two cheerleaders in Texas. Yeah, I saw that. The competitive then, cheerleaders. Yeah. Then there's a six year old in North Carolina whose ball ventured into the wrong yard. What, what and are we doing? I, what, I, what's I, going I, on? I don't know. I, I, it's just, and it's all usually white guys like that. That weatherman. 
that you made a video. Oh, yep. I love that guy because yep. he's not, he's Dale. always ran. He's always Dale make, in Dallas. He goes, and it's really tough to have a nice day. I, I've seen him rant on real topics all the time. You no, know, no, he was a sportsman. I was like, wait, was he's it weather? really great. And then they're and like, he's, he's a white man. White and man. He's, well, that's what it's going to take, right? It takes a white man to stop another white man. <laughs> it, it, a black man. It's like, what? It's like, oh, man. Well, I saw a video and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this before mm. we go into for the record. But I saw yeah. a video the other day where this woman had called a sister, the N word in a mm. store, a woman. Okay. Okay. And then she went about her business, right? Like she thought she was just going to N word you and keep it moving. Right. She was sitting outside with her black boyfriend. Wow, that's what they do sometimes. Okay. And sister came up from behind. Boyfriend trying to shield and then re- and they're like, no, she called that the N-word. And I guess the boyfriend realized, like, you got to take your L's, got to take your take L's. take that L, though. So then people were in the comments saying, like, you know, I hope sis is having a good day. But somebody was like, well, I mean, is that really the thing that she should have done? Because now she's putting herself in a position for law enforcement. Yes. And I, that's where I stand. I'm curious about you. I think it's good that she beat her ass. <laughs> That's awesome. I think sometimes an ass whooping is the only thing we got sometimes, especially even in proximity. You can knock somebody out and get out of there. Just bong, be out. I feel like enough people really know that you you can get knocked out. But white, white folks have always been violent. They're the most violent race on the planet. They've always been. Record shows. They're the most violent. That's why it's so funny how they think we're the most violent. I like, I'm not going to lie. When I see someone say, I saw... There was a dude with no arms or barely any a handicapped dude called the dude a nigga. He knocked that handicapped dude out. Because <laughs> what was, are you doing? It was hilarious because you're a white handicap and a healthy black man. That dynamic, he goes, you're a nigger. And I, I have barely any arms. He was a stump. And going, you nigger, put his head on that dude's head. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Bong, Popeye'd his ass. I and I a- laughed for 20 minutes. <laughs> And this is handicapped. Now, when well, we look at handicapped or disabled, oh, but you were able to say that violence. Try word. to disable me yes. with that bullshit. Right. Bing, knock your ass backward. I think it's nice when people get knocked the F out <laughs> because we sing, we sing, we pray, and God, we made, God made violence for a reason. There's reasons it can be balanced. When I took martial arts for 10 years, even my master, who taught me how to maim, to to use a knife and slice. He was like, but what do we, what is our first thing? We don't fight. You don't fight ever, but you should, you got to have that in you. Every living creature has a defense mechanism, but black people, every living creature defends themselves. A mouse will defend itself. A rat, even plants have defense mechanisms. When you pull it, they, they, they harden mm-hmm. up. Every living creature has a defense mechanism, except for black people. All we got to say it's, it doesn't make sense. We're expected okay. to be docile. And, right. it's, and it's good when we snap and smash somebody's teeth in. I said when it's pro- appropriate. So, nigga, bomb. Some people are going to snap. That's appropriate. It's yeah. okay. You it's got like your reflex. ass beat. And a lot of times they do it when they think they can fight a particular person. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when it's a bunch of brothers with them ashy knuckles, you know the brothers with the knuckles? And <laughs> Who it had their like lotion taken from them at TSA? No lotion. <laughs> it, white dudes be mad quiet. They don't say a word, but if it's a black girl, they go, you nigga that now right, they right, get right, tough. Right, 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 right. And black women are amazing because they will stand up and try they, and fight we, them. Listen, we gonna square up. We gonna square, but the brothers when it's the men are around, they, everybody's quiet. 
I used to love it when NBA players would run up into the stands and just start <laughs> knocking, just start knocking everybody out going, I need to know who said that to my wife. Right. And they're just knocking everybody out. Well, because you're point, people feel like there's a barrier between like... And when they run up and this big sweaty black man and you knock out a family who's wearing your jersey, <laughs> it is the most... It's just a paradox. They, they're they here cheering you on and they said some stupid shit to you because you missed a free throw. Now you're a nigger again. Oh, because I didn't do well. And right, you come right. and you just beat the crap out of the father. It's fantastic. And you're wearing my jersey, you piece of shit. Now, I'm not <laughs> saying this is everybody. I'm saying certain... Because... There is such because E forty just got kicked. E forty just got kicked out of a game, and uh, I'm it, like, was, I don't know what there, it was. There was for. a woman that was heckling him, so what? he was sitting closer to the court, and of there was course. a woman that was heckling because he a was supporting. Woman. Yes, of course, he was supporting the Warriors. Mm-hmm. She was supporting Sacramento, yeah. and you know it's the playoffs right now. And so it's stakes Sacramento is high. Warriors. That's California. Yes, bong, bong, stakes yeah. is high, and the so Kings. she had been heckling, 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 and eventually he turned around. And I'm sure he said something to the effect of like, "Shut the f up, B." <laughs> right? And was he Was he was she taunting him? Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. And because, you know, they were in Sacramento and he's wearing a Warriors jersey. And it, and that's cool, but it's like maybe he was, she was doing to a point, you motherfucker. Oh, I'm fuck. sure. Like, have, yeah. If you know E-40, he's Very mad chill. chill. Like, and E-40 will have chill. you missing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with him. So they came and he was like, you know, it was really just disheartening to see that in this situation, the people showed up, the security, and they immediately, without Took asking any out. questions, just assumed that the black Took, man was yeah, that, the and antagonist. That was, and it's all these white people in the audience. You know, you're a black man. You got money. You're in the front yep. row. And it's, and, it, and it's mainly the white, all the black people are on the court, mainly. <laughs> and everybody else is white. And then it's like, it's like there's always that racial dynamic, you know, because they're used to seeing us, you know, sweating and with a ball, some kind of ball, if it ain't oblong <laughs> or something, or they're used to this. <laughs> they like that black sweat. But then there's a black man not playing ball, enjoying himself. How having dare a good you? Time in a better seat than you. Look, look at this. He's not playing ball or nothing. And he's just sitting there enjoying shit, not working for this. Here's that dynamic where mm-hmm. they're mad because she's yelling at him from a shittier seat. Going, mm-hmm. huh, look at you. And he's just chilling. Yo, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have to go because I'm not playing on the court. I'm not sweating because they hate our, they they don't like black autonomy. With our happiness, without them included, right? they hate that You're shit. They, if they're not included in it, like basketball and all that, that's white people having hands in it. They're owners and you know, mm-hmm. but if we were to get our own league, they would try to burn the courts and put <laughs> slick oil on the on the thing. Banana like, peels. They would bend the rims. The rims would be all bent and <laughs> shit. The, they'd be missing nets. Throwing and marbles shit. on the court marbles, in the game. Marbles would be spikes on the ah, mm-hmm. ah, ah. Slippery doodah. Slippery. They'd be like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, my God, what's this toxic shit? They put something in the wood. <laughs> Everyone's got cancer. Stink bombs. It'd yeah, be a real yeah. thing. Because they didn't. Yeah, but no. These but, are people that were literally like putting stuff in black pool in the pool where black right. kids were swimming. Yeah, the whole city down. Yeah, there's right. cities that are underwater. Black cities yeah. that are underwater. Yes. About seven Drown of them. Lake they don't like. Our, they want us to get the fuck out of there. But then they go, No, I need you. It's like a. a it's a real like. It's a codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. They need black people. There's a there's a play by Douglas Turner Ward, the day with the um the day without a Negro or something like that. It's like, oh. The, the last days, oh, it's Douglas Turner Ward. Look, he's a famous playwright. 
And he wrote where all the black people disappeared from this town and all the white folks didn't know what to do. It's a really Douglas Turner Ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does it say? Day of absence. Day of absence. Mm. And, the, and the beginning of the opening scene is there are these two dudes like, where's uh blah, 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 looking for the maid. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she is. It's like, well, how are we going to eat? And this is 1965. So this this is during the black arts movement. In in college. This is during the Dutchman. And they did one with the Mexican, a day without Mexican. They did one, they revamped it with Mexicans, you know, and they did it in like the early 2000s. But yeah, that's a famous one because they need us. Because how is the Klo Klux Klan going to exist if they don't have us? (laughs) They, they they need somebody to go Nick. Well, that's where I mean they always they're, find something. It's yeah, they like have to find they their like the LGBTQI like the LGBTQI plus like marriage like marriage pass. So now yeah. they're like drag queens. Right. You yeah. know, like they'll always find yeah. something. Batman and, needs the Joker, man. Right. You it, heroes need their villains to exist. You know what I'm well, saying? Either that or they got to do actual work. Well, well, black, white folks don't know. Sometimes you got white people putting on blackface, and we're not even around. They just they just. They, they, they just conjure it's up. Halloween. They and go, they're like, let's do something. Born? Let's make fun of niggers. <laughs> After they just came from a Beyonce concert. Right. Because she's not a nigger. And until even, formation. Even right, until right. until she says something with some humanity, then it's like, you fucking, we don't know. Don't stop don't making us be human. Stop don't making f- us think that you're black. I'm like doing that Michael rap before. You fucking sticky. <laughs> fucking trying to be, you fucking dumb. Fucking trying to be. I'm sorry. I'm saying the F word. Sorry. I was like, Damn, this is beep, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm imitating. So sorry. Well, but you I, know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's what it is. And it's like. And and the only thing we have, and it sounds so cliche, is our unity. That's the and and we don't got much of that. And that J. Edgar Hoover said they asked him in an interview, "What is your biggest fear? Negro unity, Negro. We have to make get rid of the mas- a rising Messiah. We cannot have a rising Messiah." That's J. Edgar Hoover, who's part black, by the way, and gay. And he oh, said, "We can't." He was not T. Yeah, he was. He yeah, he was gay. He had. A oh, lover. we knew that. I didn't know he was part black. Yeah, yeah, there's it's coming out that he's part because you know I had five Negro presidents too. We have like Lincoln was a Melungeon. You know what a Melungeon is? Melungeon are people from the Appalachia area who were dark skinned people. Mm-hmm. That's why you see Lincoln, how dark and yeah. olive. He's a Melungeon. There's Melungeons. Look up and Melungeon. He's on the penny, the yeah. one. Copper. And he's facing the opposite way. <laughs> yep. And he's facing the opposite way. But yeah, Melungeon, he's a Melungeon. There's Melungeons. Jane Elliott breaks that down, if you know. Good old Jane. And then Tim Wise and those yep. and those whites, they're white allies. Nah, they're co-conspirators. You think so? Yeah, I mean, I'll give, I, ally at this point is real like a Lucy loose D. language. I feel like co-conspirator is like, when it's time to pop off, they the folks who would, if they had the chance now, would have joined the Freedom Rides. Like, right, right. Th- like, like John Brown. Yes. Yeah. Like their lives, they're like. They're, they're, I, they're dope. She's never changed since the 60s. It's wild and dope she's and been, incredible. And been, I, when I see people that are like, oh, Amanda, you hate white people. I'm like, no, no, no. I hate whiteness. Yes. Because uh, there are absolutely like people who happen to be white, white folks. who have happen, completely disassociated with they're themselves. They're just born nice. They're like, they're not, they're, they just have a. They have I met Melanie yesterday and I was like, John? Yes. Fantastic guy. My favorite. He's, he's like, literally, like, I'd never met him Chicago yet. Chicago boy. You know it. He's a nice guy. He's a good dude, man. He's a really good guy. And in his stand-up, ever so often, he'll just say enough for you to know, oh, he got it. He gets yeah. it. Yeah. He gets it. He's, he ain't one, He ain't over here with them. He gets my it. My boy Seton Hall opens up for him. Mm-hmm. Seton Smith. I'm sorry. Seton yep. Smith. 
And yeah, he's a good dude, man. John's he was on this show. Yep, he sure was, and he opens. He travels with him now. Yeah, man. I just there's whites that are dope. I know that whites that just are not bad people. They just well, they just they happen to be white, and they know they have their advantage. Yes. They want to take, but they don't do that. Yes, you know. I know they're they're there. You hate white people. Why do we hate white people when we're trying to talk about our plight? Why are you deflecting? Stop. Let us. Let me talk about my pain. Mm-hmm. It's like if you say men ain't mm-hmm. saying you just hate men. There's men that do a lot of dumb. Oh, shit. that's a, you know that's the number one Amanda. Amanda hates black men. Just, Mind you, surrounded by them right now. Surrounded, right. but I'm, yeah, <laughs> virtually and in person. But they go, God, for you like you hate white people. I go, do you see my producer in the booth? White Mike, he's right there, Mike. <laughs> Not white Mike. And I get white people. I, I said, you guys understand. Ali was very pro-black. But everybody and their mama, can, he shook everybody's hand. Mm-hmm. Whenever he trained, he always had open training sessions where everybody can come. He talked to white kids. Black, you know, we say it, pro-blackness is just being proud of ourselves. Why do you have a problem with us loving ourselves? Why is it, why is it affecting you? Why is it affecting you? Because we're building a force field from when you say shit to us? Because you want us to keep reacting? That's why we had a big um, debate about whether... Black comics should use the N-word in front of white folks. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. When we use, when I know some comics that will use the N-word in front of a majority white audience, and I think it's corny. That's just my opinion. Mm. I don't tell anybody how to do it. They say, Do well, you think there's a do you think that there's That's a crutch to me? I think it's a crutch. Because to say I can it, see that. Because when white folks are they laughing at the joke or the word nigga? Because nigga is a funny word. Phonetically, it's hilarious. The two G's, they hit. It's fu- listen. No, them two G's hit. It's hey, true. Two G's, you know, there's the double and there's, G. And there's certain times where you can do a punchline. It's a really and funny adding wo- that, like the actual sonicness it's of the word. It's a funny word. Yes, You'd be like, it's man, true. I know this bald ass nigga. Right. It's, it's That sounds it's funnier than bald ass brother. It's funnier than honky. <laughs> It's just funnier than honky. Unless George Jefferson, when he said it, it was just <laughs> magical. He knew how to say it. But N-word is really, even when we make fun, if we're imitating some hillbilly, it's hilarious. All the damn niggers can come. That's, it's, it's really a funny word. And it's really a cool ass word. The way we say it in, in, in rap is like, yo, this nigga, it's just hot. It's dope. And that's the, cur- hey, oh, there he is. <laughs> there's, the, there's the there's the silent mover. That, yo, man. Uh, finally met you, bro. What's going on? You good? I'm here making noises, man. You know. <laughs> Where are you going? Oh, okay. Love you. Yo, for real. Peace, man. <laughs> so yeah, I, and and my thing is, um, yeah, I just because they said, well, I was talking to John Laster. He's on the and Yamanika, mm-hmm. and they be niggering it up. And they do. And Yamanika coming from her suburban Baltimore and her <laughs> liberal arts high school, whatever. And she's so intelligent, so funny. Of course. And I just asked, and she goes, "Well, I'm not going to let somebody." I said, "I get it. That's everybody's excuse to have it." I say, "But it's I'm 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 not I'm taking we're taking it back." I said, "We never had it." Well, I think but, but thing, those are two different things. If you're me. desensitized to it, you're trying to do, then when somebody white calls you that, don't move. Just be like, well, Whatever. that's not the same. It's okay. We're going to stop acting like those are the same thing. Me saying that's my nigga and a white people say, and a white person saying no, you're a nigger no, no, are two no. different things. That's amongst and, us. Amongst us. I got it. And but a white on, person saying you, my nigga is also not the same. No, thing. not the same thing, but in front of a white audience performing, 
I just, I'm, me, I well, don't do it. Well, here's my thing. What about music, yeah. right? So do you feel like rappers who have nigga in their songs should not well, perform those songs no, in front of white people? Per- you, you got to. I mean, if you want to. But don't but be mad the when they're singing it. But why? Because that's your, it's your responsibility to put those lyrics in there. I, that's on you. Listen. But I, why I'm, can't we but just, I'm just know? I'm just throwing it out there. But I'm not why can't we know it. what is for us and what's not for us? Like, I feel like... If a man is listening to a song where like women are calling each other bitches or whatever, like I don't know that that a man feels comfortable like saying those lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I hear a song where um I don't know, I don't even know if this exists, but if Lil Nas X is using like the F, the F word, word yeah. in a song, like I'm not saying that word. Like I don't feel comfortable right, saying that right. word. Right. And my thing but is But I have no interest in that word. My thing is when you're when you're but say, that feels different like to me when than you're saying the bitch where like if I'm singing a song going bitch what, da, 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 it's it's hopefully it's not you're not that person that's disrespectful to women you're just like that's just a song but if I would never call a woman that you know what I mean okay you know but what, I mean? but so what about the other compartmentalize example? that but what about the other example well the n word for me I'm just saying for me I just don't. To say it in front of them, to me, it's like, are they laughing at the joke? Well, that's the Chappelle thing, right? Or are they laughing at the... At the word. Just in general, like, you know, because then they go, wow, they say... Because I remember doing a show and this this man, after the show was at the cellar, and it was a lot of black comics on that show. This And they, he was like, uh, yo, um, he goes, it's so funny, man. I'm from Australia. And I noticed you were the only guy that didn't use the N-word so much. Everybody was using it so much. I was just... Interested in why you never said, I said, I don't like saying it in front of um, white people like that. I just, I just, for me, it's just, I don't know why, what reason, unless I'm talking about the word and as a specific thing I'm trying to do, because there's a word, there's a thing I do with double G words, the F word, right? Mm. I do it. I do the F word. I do the N word. And then I do muggle from Harry Potter because <laughs> that was an insult. Yes. You're a muggle. You're a muggle. And it's, it's like supp- some, and it's supposed to. Something about those do double G words. I felt like it was the N word. I mean, I Harry the Potter's key two differences, though, I think, which what I'm hearing you say, Godfrey, is that there's a difference between a, a black artist, whether they're a comedian, a singer, who uses who uses their blackness in general in front of white audiences and almost like a, in a spectacle way. Like I'm black and white people are engaging with them in it, a very And, and it's way. almost to me, it's to me, this is just my, I don't ever tell anybody how to perform. It's like you're lo, you're not, you don't feel you're smart enough for them. You don't feel, you feel if you're too smart for them, they're going to be like, well, like there was a time where black people were afraid to be dignified in front of people, in front of those people. They'd rather be like, let me lower myself so they can feel comfortable. Appease white energy. I mean, I've been kind of going I through. Love, I've been going through a go certain ahead. version of that. Not that I'm lowering myself, but I've just been going through a certain version of like with my standup, not feeling like I am the content that I want to talk about. Like it's not for them. Mm-hmm. And, Which, right, right, no, right. And so then I'm like, they're I, and they're listening. They're not getting laughing the way that I know. I right. I know that the people would laugh if I was in front of those people. But it's made me feel like. Okay, do I need to switch up my stuff to like make them feel more inclusive? And then I'm just like, I, I don't care. So then I'm like, well, what is it? If, if you don't care, then you shouldn't be performing for those audiences. Like, right. so then I'm like, okay, well, what's the different route? I mean, I was talking to Reg Thomas the other day and he was like, I think really just do, do crowd work. So that's what I'm going to try now. Yeah. When I'm in front of predominantly white audiences, I'm going to just do crowd work. Do crowd work just... Um, instead of like trying to work out material that it really is not that they don't get 
And then I'm like straining There's to try. There's nothing wrong with trying to do that, to convey a message, period. That's the, that's the power of being a real artist is conveying it no matter who's in front of you. Being but I'm conveying convey it, it, but they, it's one thing to convey make for it, our make audience. It, that, challenge yourself. It's easy to do it in front of our own folks. Forget that. Do it when they're there. I don't. That's not a challenge to me. But like, what is the subject, though? What's it depends on the subject. Like I did a bit, yeah. Like when I'm doing, well, the subject is right right now. All I feel like talking about is race. Like that's literally well, all yeah, I feel like talking about. Yeah. And so, like I'm doing a bit about you know black people being able to tell a race a racist face. Like we yeah, can that's tell funny that. for white people. That should they should tell them to say it to them. I I'm working on it. Good, say it to them. How long have you been doing comedy now? <laughs> Thirteen years. It should be, yeah, you should be kind of <laughs> starting to do that. It's like, Thanks, I do Godfrey. that in front of them. <laughs> you see her shading No, me? but I do that. You should be kind of starting to do, do that. that. What's wrong with, uh, it's mainly white and I'm going to convey this. No, I sh- I'm doing I'll, it. I'm okay, not good. enjoying it. Good. What I'm saying is I'm doing it. Growing pains. I'm doing it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't care about making them laugh through this. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, got you, got you. Like, I don't care about the growing pain of like, let me figure out how to make the white people laugh through this. I guess in your mind, but you're, but what no, you're I'm saying, saying when you're faced you're with a saying, white audience, my audience is usually diverse. I got a strong black following, which is good, but I like to do, I'll just do it. I give a damn. Sometimes I go. No, but I am pr- doing it, but yeah. I'm just like. You're not feeling the vibe. I'm not feeling the vibe. And I'm just. Maybe it's not structured well yet. Because when you get no, because you're 13 years. I've been doing 25 plus, so I I'm telling you. But there's like the reception from the audience, but also the the art of when you can convey it to want to the people that are depressing you. Man, I've done jokes where it's like, what the hell? And they come and after the show, they go, "Damn, that was good, man. You that was good. I have to, yeah, yeah." That's who you want to talk to. It's, I mean, when you were in front it's of your old people. Hey, listen. <laughs> it's actually not, not who no, I no, want no. to talk to. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what I'm talking about. I don't, because I don't want to talk to them. I'm genuinely. I don't either. At this point, I'm just like, I, I genuinely, I don't even care about making them laugh. So yeah, it's like, yeah, so no then doubt. it becomes like, That's okay. That's say a joke. And if so it's then it becomes crazy. like, then how do I convey this? But I end up feeling like I'm TED talking. So it's like, I, you're right. I do have to challenge no, it's myself. Okay for them to be like, ooh, it's all right. I think what you're saying is like, Amanda, if the goal is to get some shit across, then figure out how to craft it in a way where they have to receive it. They receive it regardless regardless. of whether they like it or not. Yes. Sometimes the audience, sometimes you'd be like, huh? And then sometimes like, oh, well, (laughs) turbulence in this ride. Boom. The drop. I do that. No, it's true. I mean, I do that. That's where. Yeah. Oh, well. But I feel like my 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 struggle right now has been like, do I even care enough about y'all laughing? But your point is, it's not about necessarily making Caring. them laugh. Right. It's about making them get it. And the laugh is probably what's going to make them get it. And if your effort is like, I need them to get this, then and you got to figure times, it out. And don't underestimate some of them. White. Them motherfuckers be, well, yo, that was good. They thought no, I was just- smattering like but, when you leave the stage they're giving you high fives like no, i got no, it but I got i'm telling it. you ta- i'm telling you I'm, I'm not even trying to talk like i'm king of comedy but i'm telling you that's you should do it in front of them i'm not not doing it in front of them i'm just right. not enjoying it oh right, good. Well, good take your lumps <laughs> take your lumps 
<laughs> I don't want those lumps. You I don't, don't want. want and I got you. I, I, I got my point you. is like, I, got, hey, I, I got don't you. even want white people to feel like they can give me lumps. I don't need lumps from them. So it feels very, it's an arduousness that has to do with our craft that is a necessary like part of the craft, but that I'm just like not. I'm like, why do I even, why am I putting myself through this? Yeah, but when you're a race person, usually, and you know, like James Baldwin said, and you, when you're a race person, it's like you're almost doomed, but, you know, Touché. still, you know, still, you, James Baldwin went against uh, William S. Buckley in the 60s. You saw that big debate of it, right? Yes. But, and he was all white, and he, you have to, he's just telling them to their face. Yeah, but he's not trying to make them laugh. No, no, no. I'm just saying. But that's a, the part a, for me that I'm like. Ugh. But it's like, it's whether we're doing it in comedy, whether we're doing it the way James did it, they're still going to be like, ugh, doesn't even matter. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to get those audiences. But because they'll be like, Amanda Seals, you got a bunch of white girls that like you. They're coming to your show. No, those I, are not the problem. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying sometimes it's when gonna, I'm doing showcases that it's when I'm like at these comedy clubs where I, these are this isn't my audience. It's like, not your audience. But what it say you say, hey, I want to try and try this joke. Let's see I mean, what I do it. You're not listening to me. All I'm not right. listening to you. No, because I'm telling you, I'm doing it. I'm not okay. not doing it. Okay. I'm just like. The crisis I'm having is. I'm doing the joke in front of an audience that doesn't want to hear this. Got you. And is it worth my energy to try to figure out how to get them to want to hear okay. this? Got you. Oh, I, okay. And that's what I'm trying to, I'm like, is like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the only way I go to settle this, settle this debate is going on Instagram live. <laughs> is that what you say? No, because, yeah, because you have to understand live. Godfrey, there's a certain point where I'm just like, do I, do I feel like this part of my craft is, do I feel like this part of my craft is for them or for us? And I think there's many comics who would say, if you're a comic, it's for everybody. Like you, you're here to make everybody laugh. And so you need to figure out how to make everybody laugh. I don't think that's true. Well, you're never going to make everybody laugh, but I see what they're saying. They, they want you to just be able to never feel intimidated. Like I've seen people go, damn, it's a certain race of crowd majority. I don't know what to do. You don't ever want to be in that where you have to be like, damn, what am I going to say to these people? Well, I guess, I guess not, that's what they in, mean. You're not indebted to them. Like, I'm not a clown. You're not indebted to them, but sometimes you're faced with that. You're like, no, oh, shit. you're definitely like, okay, this is a whole is. crowd of white people. Like, yeah. what are the jokes that are going to hit here? Yeah. You know, especially and if you're a race person, 1 million percent. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if a lot of your material is around that, it's like, what are the jokes that are going to hit here? And you can get intimidated into no trying to give them generic stuff. Like, right. we're going to talk about mustard. That's yeah. what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And what I'm trying to tell you is like, I'm not falling for that. I'm mm-hmm. not. Like, I'm not backing down. I'm challenging myself to still do the jokes. Right. Get them off. Yep. Whether they laugh or not, they heard it. Yep. But as a comic, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, I want my laughs, though. <laughs> no, yeah, you want your laughs. <laughs> I want my laughs. But when you're going into that territory, unless you're doing like some, you know, there's some comics. I'll see some black comics go, yo, man, we got to stop that racism, though. Stop that racism. Anyway, and they move on. <laughs> White people are like, yo, yep, I'll stop yep, that. Yep. Go on to the other stuff. But I'm like this. Let's talk so when about you say, race when and you break say it take down. Take your lumps. You're just like, even if they not laughing, like that's part of the, the reality of you delivering this material and just like stick it out. Yeah, because you're gonna, I feel you're you. gonna. I th- that's just uh, from me knowing how I my material. You just work it out, and there's 
there's a point where you get it where people you making people laugh, even though the joke is like, damn. But people are like, I that's but, but that's me. You have maybe a different way of working it. You know, that's no, I mean, but I'm asking you because you are a vet and you have been in this so long and you give me advice all the time. But but you just said I wasn't listening to you. What does that have to do with I know, you giving me advice? <laughs> but I'm saying you should because I, I think I'm a pretty funny dude, you know? You're and, hilarious. And so I've gotten away with doing, and I've and I've had it where, the, I, where I get in and I do some real hardcore, and the, and the, and the energy gets weird, but I yep. like that though. I, I purposely- yeah, I've watched you, because you'll do a thing too where you sandwich it, where he'll like let them think that we about to have a fun night talking about- And I'll ruin it on purpose. <laughs> I'll go, whoa, huh, goofy, goofy. Yo, this- the clan, right? <laughs> Not the clan. Oh yeah, I'll go right into, and they go what? But then I have something funny about it. Let's see if they like it, right? <laughs> and I'll go in, go in, and there's times where it's like boom, boom, boom. There's times where it's like I need to come out more confident. It's a confidence thing, but it's more years. That's all I'm telling you. It's all years, years, and 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 frequency of stage time. That's that. That's the only thing that works. Got to be on that stage doing that shit all the damn time. Well, you're doing your podcast all the damn time. So tell people where they can hear it. Oh yeah. Nice ending. <laughs> you think you're slick, Amanda J. Seals. Because this <laughs> interview was supposed to be 20 minutes and then oh, another oh, part. The and thing. we have been here for an hour. Oh my bad. Okay. Yeah. Because well, it's been amazing. Right. In Godfrey, we trust is the podcast on the gas digital network. Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, 10 PM Eastern. And you can also see some episodes on YouTube. Subscribe on that. Subscribe on Gas Digital. You know, and what I'm subscribe saying? to your TikTok because you've been doing the TikTok lives. And too. my TikTok lives, they're worth. There, I'm telling you, TikTok live is the way to go. Woo! It's the way to go. TikTok live and my Instagram live. <laughs> but yo, and GodfreyLive.com is my website now oh. for finding tickets and where I'm going to be. When is this? Where, gonna, I was going to say, where are you going to be uh, where, this weekend? What is this going to? Oh, this week. Mm-hmm. Wait, next weekend. Well, is this, this is airing on Friday. Well, next weekend. Oh, no. Okay, thank you. Bakersfield, California. I'll be at the Fox Theater with Evan Lionel and, you know, um, Alfonso McCauley. Mm-hmm. Um, Bakersfield, um, Sunday, the 23rd, uh, Fox Theater in Bakersfield, California, this Sunday. And then the next week is Tampa Bay, Tampa Improv, April 28th to the 30th, and then May 4th to the 7th is the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Ah, a lot of Jersey yeah. folks go out Jersey. there and get your tickets and they can get the tickets where? GodfreyLive.com. All go right. Or go to the actual website of that comedy club. People yep. are like, how do I get to the Tampa Improv? How do I get tickets? Go to Tampa Improv. <laughs> tickets. <laughs> how do I get? Well, thank you for joining us as our first guest on the Amanda Seal I hope, Show. I hope we made sense. You I don't know. You made sense. Who knows? You know how you think, you know, people are like, I don't like the way he did. <laughs> I messed up. I lost my thought. <laughs> The Amanda Seal Show, Del- delving deep, deep into your favorite creator's musical insights. I know this is one of your favorite records, and it's one of mine, too. Talking about their favorite records. It's for the record. Yeah, everybody loves that song. Man, it was number one in the country. Y'all know what time it is at the Amanda Seal Show. We are going to go... For the record. Yes, with Godfrey. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, first song, Godfrey. Uh. Tell us a song that makes you think of your family. Kung Fu Fighting. <laughs> Carl Douglas, 1974. Why? Because my mother would play it a lot and we'd be in the living room going, huh! 
Are you tight with your family? Funky Billie What? Are you tight with your family? I am, and unfortunately, my parents aren't here no more anymore. They're not here anymore. My my blessed mother and my dad. Not there. Married forty some years, which is great. But my sister brother. So my sisters in Dallas, brothers in uh, Chicago, and yeah, Carl Douglas, the little forty fives. Oh, <laughs> oh, we all be waiting. Now, your parents were Nigerian. They are Nigeria. Nigeria came here in the late 60s, 70s. And, and they were into I, American music? Oh, yeah. We had uh, we had a lot of African music, of course. You know, you had music um, from Fela. King Saniade, Fela, King Saniade, King of Juju music, because um, it was, he's Yoruba, we're Igbos, but my mother spoke both languages. And you had Afrobeat. The original Afrobeat is Fela before this mm-hmm. Afrobeat. Mm-hmm. The original one started in the late 60s, 70s. And, you know, and there was High Life, Af- Nigerian High Life, yeah. that music. And yeah, it was, and I had an uncle, my uncle Sonny, Sonny Okosin, very famous singer in Nigeria also. He was singing about like, you know, like rebel. He had rebellious music, Fire in Soweto, singing against South Africa. Mm. And then he got religious, but yeah. So we had that. And my other cousin, Onyeka, she's been singing for years in Nigeria. And yeah, so Nigerian music and Motown and funk. And that was what we listened to all the time. Country music. My parents, we had a lot of country music, a lot of uh, reggae. We had everything. Like That's why my music is expansive. They go, how do you know that? I go, that in the house. Everly Brothers from Johnny Cash to Parliament P-Funk. It was like, that was just normal. All right. Well, I want to know this guy for you. Yeah. What is a song that uh-huh. always makes you feel better? Like when you down and out, you play Superstition, this song. Stevie Wonder. Oh, mm. that's a good one. Because my, when my father would take me to the barbershop, Superstition was my thing. Riding song. I think that's just the coldest. Oh, when you believe in things. Are you superstitious? Not really. Because, you know, some comics are very superstitious, like, well, and athletes, right? Like, oh, I have to wear this yeah, no, I'm not really stage like that. or no, don't talk to me draws. or I have to have this kind of drink yeah, in my hand. I had a rabbit foot, got to rub it five times on this cheek <laughs> before I and a, and a pig foot, my pig ear, got to rub it on that side. No. Would you say you're religious? Spiritual. I mean, we... Went to Catholic school for 12 years. I went to Catholic for 12 years. My parents, very Episcopalian. We had to go to church. We went to Sunday school. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> we did all of that. But I I believe there's a higher power. You know, you're always searching because you look at Buddhists. You go, I like that. I like the Muslim thing. Whatever it's going to help you improve and treat people with respect and live a better life, I'm down with that. Mm. And as long as you're not telling people what to do, oppressing them in any kind of way, whatever. Right. You know, I accept everybody. I don't matter to me. We love it. God is right here, son. He's pointing to his heart. It's inside, not outside of you. That's right. I got God in my name, shit. Oh, yeah. Godfrey Godfrey means God's gift of peace. In German, it's Gottfried. Like Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah. His that his last name is the German version of my first name. Gottfried. Gottfried. Yes. All right. Yes. Look at it. What's a song that you play <sighs> mm. after you done killed? Triumph. Wu-Tang Clan. Mm, I vomitonically. Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses. Never know what I'll be dropping these. these mockeries lyrically performed on robbery. I wish I could like see them right now. Yeah, I can't see them. Yo. <laughs> Triumph. Period. 
That's what I play in my shows. So you are now, are you just that song, that song fan or are you a Wu-Tang I'm fan? I'm a Wu-Head. I'm a mm. Method Man and Inspector Deck made me a, a honorary Wu-Tang <gasps> members. Oh, For wow. real. When he came on my series, like the Method was like, and I have it on my Instagram. And Inspector <laughs> Deck said, yeah, son. And I just found out Ghostface is a big fan of mine. Listen, Ghost, the legendary Ghost Dini, yeah. Iron Man. Ghost said, yo, I love it, yo, that man, man, funny, son. <laughs> Tell that nigga, man, yo, son, I got to meet that dude, man. Tony Starks. Starks, baby. What? Do you like, remember the first time you heard Wu-Tang? Uh, yeah, I was in Chicago, man. Uh, Chicago, and we, I had the 36 Chambers joint mm. on the CD Up joint. On the 36 Chambers. And they just, mm. it was just like, they mm. just, they, mm. there was a photo of the dudes in the alley just standing there like... <laughs> That's hip hop album. Nothing right. fancy. It was just like <laughs> with a brick in their hand. Like, yep. I loved it. And I, yeah, I was listening to it. You know, you had the cassettes, all that. That's what I was listening to. Old school. That's when I first, I was like, what the Wu Tang clan? Holy sh. Yeah. In Chicago. Yeah. That's my, that's where I started my hip hop days. Of course. Yeah. Damn. Hell yeah. Okay. I'm curious. So we talked about songs you love. But what's a song that you once loved, but somebody ruined for you? Damn. Oh, I can't. somebody ruined it for me. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, 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 uh. Who ruined it for me? Oh, it was one of these songs. I can't remember. Well, tell us the story anyway. Damn, what's some girl that got on my damn nerves and kept singing it? <laughs> And I hated it after that. It's like, shit, I hate that it's damn song. It's always connected to some girl. Or it's like, man, man, I like this song. And played it over and over and over. Oh, I know what's so- No. <laughs> oh, no, Grease. My sister. Hopelessly Devoted. Hopelessly my sister was trying devoted. to write the list. She kept playing it over and I said, yo, why do you keep playing that damn song? Hopelessly Devoted, yeah. Because she was trying to learn the lyrics? Yes! Back in the day, that's how it went down, y'all. And he was like, play it over again. <laughs> and my sister was writing in her stupid notebook. Hopelessly devoted Greece. And I love, rest in peace to Olivia Newton-John. I got to meet her. She was at my show at the cellar. Oh. Oh, wow. And just happened to be there. And right. I made fun of her the whole time oh. about Greece. No, made fun of her like, you were my first girlfriend. You know that's fair to be. And I got to talk to her and meet her. She was so nice to me. But I was hopelessly devoted. My sister ruined that for me. Damn, sis. <laughs> All right, last song for the record, Godfrey. Now, you've done martial arts training. Ten years. Oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's say you are on the mat. It's about to go down. Yeah. What music would they play for the entrance to the mat for the final countdown? Oh, what? It's like all eyes on me. And you said some other songs too, right? Yeah, if you have any more. Oh, Know the Ledge, Sip the Juice. I got enough to go around. What? Place off town. What? Hold on. Follow the leader. Follow the leader. Just that rock him coming up. Yeah. Nas, New York State of Mind. Yeah, I never sleep. Because sleep is the cousin of death. Cousin of death. Yeah, or, or uh, kicking the door. Waving the 4-4? <laughs> All you heard was Papa. Oh. <laughs> the rods on the top are short like leprechauns. 
Yes. Ooh, <laughs> get all the quick Williams fast. Like daughter, 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 daughter. Fuck, Papa. Oh, <laughs> take like toast. It's obvious. What? This keep firing. Man. Stay low and keep firing. What? Ooh, that that beat. Whoo, yeah, that one. The most shady, Frankie baby. Do you still do martial arts training? Because you're nah. like a fit. You're a fit man. You're here in like athletic wear. What? Right now? Yeah, I just came from the airport. But I, I like to be in an athletic wear um, just in, in when general? I travel because it's comfortable when you travel. Right. Sweats and yeah. So what man. do you do to stay in shape now? You got to show up to the gym Ooh. and mm-hmm. torture yourself. And then you got to try your best to eat right. Mm-hmm. But I had, I've had a, a wonderful healer for the past 20 years, a practitioner. And so I've been on taking supplements for a long time. And I try my best. Of course, as we travel, we eat junk here and yeah. there. But we try, but I try to go to gym three to five times a week, Damn. even though, yeah, even though I got pains here, like old injuries. And you're like lifting and you're doing lifting all the things. lifting and doing the cardio. Yeah, I try, wow. try my best. I, try. I, I commend y'all. I try and it, and it, and it, it's paying off, I hope, you know. It is. Look, I mean, he's, he's together. <laughs> yeah, he's Listen, so. I'm all right. You don't have like a, <laughs> really? I mean, you're, you don't have like a dad bod. Like you're not out here, you know, right. giving us Shrek. Yeah, but if if I make enough money, I'll go. Hey, donkey, <laughs> leave me alone, donkey. And before anybody says I'm body shaming, what I mean to say is that you look healthy. You know, I'm not a fat. F- no, I never said anything <laughs> no, of that nature. About, you're not body. I, you're talking to me. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know what, what happens when we talk. I know, it's like when uh, we talk, you're body sh- People stop. take me and Godfrey's my, conversations my, and turn them yeah, into other things. My thing about body shaming is like if you're making fun of somebody. That's body shaming. But if telling somebody to, to lose weight and to be healthy, that's not body shaming. Because the body doesn't give a damn how you feel. If you're unhealthy, it's going to stop and do something weird. So it doesn't matter how you feel. If you have high blood pressure, you have high blood pressure. That's it. It's like enough with that. I think there's a level of body shaming when you're making fun of somebody. Yeah. That's body. But when you're like, hey, man, you should try and lose weight. I tell my try and lose weight. See, I come from the era of, man, shut your fat ass up. <laughs> Sit your fat ass down, fat. No, that's in Chicago. Right. Be like, man, I know your fat ass ain't talking. Man, shut your slew footed ass up. I'm Looking like, man, shut your black ass up. Shut your high yellow ass up. Oh, yellow ass. Now I'm doing skinny ass. Now I'm doing Steve Harvey. Now. Yep. I know your ass ain't talking. Your fat ass. I'm gonna smack. Really I'm gonna beat your fat ass up. That's real talk. Cleveland, y'all. <laughs> Well, thank you <laughs> just, for I'm joining just, us. But like I said, yeah, it's not body shaming if you're making fun of people. I just want to make sure I reiterate that before they, you know. <laughs> you know what? We got we to gotta yes, add more yeah, statements yes, after that. Yes. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that disclaimer, towards anybody. Disclaimer, disclaimer, sure, but it's like the statement at the, at the end of a, cartoon, of, yeah. of a commercial. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us here on the Amanda Seal Show for another edition of For the Record. Yeah. With Godfrey. Woo. Woo. There we go. Hey, you've reached the Amanda Seals Show. I know you've been thinking about us. And we've been thinking about you. So go ahead and tell us what's on your mind. When you hear that beep, you know what to do. Leave that message. Hey, Amanda. Um, I was calling in about, like, you know, black physicians. And when I was growing up, I never heard a black physician. Um, but not till recently, I'm switching my OBGYN. And she's a black woman, a great black woman here in Philadelphia, her name's Dr. Nancy. She's just a spirited woman. She's like cares, like 
just a beautiful person, and I'm so glad that I switched to her, so um, shout out to her. But um, in regards to, like, black maternal health, I had my son, my oldest son, and, you know, I was having pains. I was throwing up when I was pregnant with him and kept going to the doctors. I'm like, yo, something's wrong. Oh, no, 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 that's just, you know, um, pregnancy, pains, yada, yada. And you know, I kept going, kept going. I was in pain. I was throwing up. I wasn't eating. And whole time, um, my ovary was enlarged and had to be removed. Luckily, I got it removed. My baby was fine, and he's 10 now. But I feel like having black doctors being, you know, black women and, you know, black people in general, I feel like it's important for us to have people who look like us handling our health. Um, but just wanted to share that. Have a beautiful day. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Jeremiah, like the Bible. I am calling to respond to the question how much money does it take for a man to date you or how much does he have to make? The answer to the question, whatever it may be, is however much it takes for him to be a fully functioning, independent and mature adult who handles his responsibilities. That is the requirement. You don't need to be rich. Hopefully you're not poor, but you need to be able to sustain a responsible and mature life for yourself in whichever way that looks like something functional. Y'all have a good one. Hello, Amanda Seals Show. This is Jonathan from Dallas, Texas. I was just trying to put my two cents about, you know, them, them being outraged about, you know, the character of uh, Leo, I guess, in Lilo and Stitch. I mean, it's not the same because you're talking about culture versus something that's fictional. And then on top of that, but they don't want us to be upset about when they put white counterparts in black roads like they did Gods of Egypt with Gerard Butler. So that's just my two cents. Thank you. Hey, Amanda, I got a show for you to watch um, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. If you haven't watched it, it's a good watch. Like six episodes. Peace. When we get back, we got more Black Joy stories. We're sending you positivity going into the weekend, plus the Black Spin. We're celebrating 50 years of hip-hop, honoring the late, great Ahmad Jamal. And finally, things I learned this week, all coming up next on The Amanda Seal Show. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up. We ain't nobody's fool. No. We shaking up the system. Rewrite unwritten rules. Oh, come on. We speak the world all this time. We shine and rise. We up, we up, we up. The Amanda Seal Show. here at the Amanda Seals Show and boy I love our Friday shows because they're so fun and just so free and so happy because we want to make sure that you're going into the weekend on a high note alright I'm Amanda Seals your favorite comedian and common sense specialist joined by Jeremiah like the Bible and what do we got coming up this hour more black joint stories of course yay so Andrew Toes from the Dodgers, from the Dodgers it has been re-signed mm. we have more on that coming up okay also the black spin Amanda Seals we yes. celebrate 50 years of hip hop and we're celebrating Ahmad Jamal with a little cool little sample game I got for you I love it. I love it. One in the crates for this one. (laughs) Plus, it's finally time for a thing we learned this week with you. Yes, yes, yes. And I want to shout out Godfrey, the comedian, for joining us last hour for an interview and to play a little round of For the Record. If you missed the interview, make sure you just go to wherever you get your podcast and type in The Amanda Seals Show because you don't want to miss out on nothing we got going on today or any day for that matter. Listen, laugh, and learn. It's The Amanda Seals Show. Welcome back to the Amanda Seals Show. It's Amanda Seals here. Happy Friday to all of you all. You know we like to give you only good news on Fridays. Right. We love a Black Joy Friday. (laughs) And that's why we're going to give you a story of Black Joy. 
I read this and I got a tear in my eye. Y'all, shout out to LA. The Dodgers have re-signed former outfielder Andrew Tolles in March. Even though the 30-year-old hasn't played in Major League Baseball since 2018. Do you know why, Jeremiah, like the Bible? I do not know. Let, let us know. Let me tell you why. The Los Angeles Dodgers signed him to a contract every year since the 2019 season to guarantee him access to health insurance and mental health services. He did not report to spring training in 2019 because he was dealing with a quote unquote personal issue. And he was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Then he was arrested and charged with trespassing after he was found sleeping behind a FedEx building at Key West International Airport. He was taken to a mental health facility after the incident. But for the 23 season, he won't be paid by the team, but he will be considered a member of the organization. This is the fifth consecutive season that the franchise has stepped up to provide mental health assistance for tolls. And I just think that is so responsible and beautiful mm-hmm. and just a def, a, a, an indicator of the ways in which we can show up for each other, particularly right. when we have the resources to do so. Well, also in sports, you know, they like to use your body it physically and kind of like wear you out. So the least you could do is provide me some, you know, health mentally and physically. Yeah. I gave to y'all right. support. So that to me is a story of black joy. That's it for Black Joy Stories. We hope you're feeling good after that one. Coming up next, it's time to celebrate 50 years of hip-hop with the Black Spin. Plus, we got things I learned this week. Coming up next on my show, The Amanda Seal Show. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up. What's cracking, y'all? It's The Amanda Seal Show, and it is time for another edition of... The Black Spin, where we take it back. Well, you know what? We lost an incredible contributor to music this Mm -hmm. week in Ahmad Jamal. Ahmad Jamal was, of course, a virtuoso jazz musician, but he was also heavily sampled by hip hop heads and the like. And of course we are celebrating 50 years of hip hop. So I thought in, in giving some, in paying homage to Ahmad Jamal, we would play a little game where Jeremiah Mm -hmm. is going to play some samples that he has selected. I have not heard the samples. I don't know the songs. And we're going to see if I can guess what song that sample was turned into. Okay. You ready? Oh, my God. You just jumped right into it. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, we're straight in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So the first sample song comes from I Love Music by okay. Jamal. So let's hear that. Okay. Nas. It is nice. What song did you say? Whose world is this? The world is yours. Well, the hook is whose world is this? The world like, is yours. Oh my so you, gosh. You got half a point. No, I got the song right. <laughs> and it was, and I did say the producer as well. It was produced by Pete Rock. And here's a little known fact that the voice going, whose world is this? Is actually Pete Rock. And he did not get a credit for that vocal sample, for that his voice being on the record. So that's one. All right. Okay, I got one. I got one. All right. The next song is Ahmad Jamal's Dolphin Dance. Okay. So let's hear that one. What's the hint? The hint is a Chicago um, rapper, MC. It's common. Yes. It's common. 
Damn. I think we got it. Is it go? Go, go. It's not go. But is it, okay, tell me this. Is it a recent comment or an old school comment? No, it is old school. No, it's, 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 um, oh my God, it is. I got to stress, y'all, I got to stress. It's not, I used to love her, but it is from that album. (laughs) What is the song? It is Resurrection by Common. Okay, so I did have the right album. I will say, I saw your mouth, I'm going to say Resurrection. I did. (laughs) I'm going to get half a point for that. Half a point. (laughs) So I just get half an applause. Cut it out. All right, the next one is. Amajamal's The World is a Ghetto. Okay. It is from a <laughs> I'm so distraught. It is from a big rapper named Fat Joe. Um the Ish is Real, the DJ Premier remix. I've never heard that song in my life. Okay. <laughs> I'll Never Stop Loving You by Ahmad Jamal. Okay. Well, this is a trick one. This is a trick one? Because it came, this is like something I knew. I knew this song and I was like, I mean, I don't know this song. Oh my gosh, Jeremiah, why would you do this to me? Because I love things like this. Ugh. But it comes from J. Cole's ATM. You know what? I knew the sample because that's actually a song that I really, really like. Really? <laughs> yes. When I heard it, I didn't realize the sample. I was like, oh, I love this song. Here's the sample. Okay. Yes. So you connected the dots for me too. As there you a, go. Look as at a that. game as show host. Yay. Well, that was fun. And even though I didn't get all the, I didn't get a lot of them right, I still just we got to listen to some Mama Jamal mm-hmm. right here on the radio. And that's a Friday. treat. This isn't even a jazz show, but I got to get y'all some some jazz infusion in there. So that's some little little hip-hop history. For you, because you know with sampling is such a big part of hip hop, and we always got to make sure that we are paying homage to the creators of the original sample. So rest in peace to Ahmad Jamal. All right, that's it for the Black Spin. Join us next Friday at the same time for another cool story game to celebrate the 50 years of hip hop. When we get back, it's time for things Amanda learned this week. And we're dropping some gems over here on this one. Okay, so stay tuned. Up next on the Amanda Seal Show. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up. All right, it's time for us to sign on out right here at the Amanda Seal Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Amanda Seal. Shout out to you, Jeremiah, like the Bible. Your second week in the chair. How you feeling? It's getting comfy over here, you know. Mm, we like that. Make me a sweater next week. <laughs> We like that. Get all cozy. Get cozy. If you missed any part of the show, you can check out the latest Amanda Seal Show podcast episode available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can check out my other podcast, Small Doses, which is part of the Urban One Podcast Network. This week, we got Side Effects of Living Out Loud with T.S. Madison, part two. Part one was so good that we said, you know what? We got to give y'all a little more. And if you want to watch the episode, make sure you go to my YouTube, Amanda Seals TV, and check it out. And if that ain't enough, then also head on over to my Patreon, The Amandaverse, and get you a little taste of some extra 
exclusive behind-the-scenes bonus content. And last but not least, I got to remind you that if you haven't got your tickets to Smart, Funny, and Black in Los Angeles, going down May 18th with Wayne Brady versus Jaleel White at my self-written, self-owned variety comedy game show, then you are playing yourself. Go and get your tickets right now at amandaseals.com. All right, what do we got coming up next on Monday's show? Coming on, on Monday's show, we got more Black Grid news, of course. Plus the Big Up Let Down. Plus all your favorite segments like the People Versus, things I learned this week. Politicians say the darndest things. All that next week. Have an amazing weekend. Remember, y'all, this is the Amanda Seal Show. Remember, we are each other's business. When we look out for each other, we lift each other up. Have a good weekend. The Amanda Seal Show. We up, we up, we up.